Here we go. Another great podcast from the creative entrepreneur. I am so thrilled for our next guest speaker. And she comes with a lot of power and experience in community. So I really want to tackle community today. Why does community work for us in our careers, in our lives, in our networks to build us up as passion leaders? <laughs> Hi, welcome to the Creative Podcast. Glad you're here today. Jilly here from The Creative. I'm so excited to be here today. And just a reminder, the podcast is a platform that provides content, connection, and creative resources to light a fire in your heart and mind to achieve the impossible. And I interview leading executives, digital and creative disruptors and entrepreneurs, and they share their insights and tactics and strategies that made them successful passion leaders. And I'm particularly interested in female entrepreneurs lately. That's why I'm calling it the Creative Entrepreneur Podcast. Let's go inside. Here she is. Esther, welcome, welcome, welcome. How are you? Hello, how are you? Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. Welcome aboard to the Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here. Good to see you. Everything is great. How about you? I'm I'm amazing. I feel fantastic today. Um, so let me just introduce this wonderful woman. Esther Deutsch is a quintessential female entrepreneur, or as I like to say, entrepreneur, H-E-R, and uh, a really inspiring community builder. She holds a master's degree in social work and a bachelor's degree in business. And together with her friend, Luke, Esther co-hosts a networking community to help bring business professionals together called InThisTogetherRoundtable.com. She also enjoys volunteering, especially with groups for women in technology and ran a mission trip to teach coding to young girls in the country of Belize. I want to hear all about that. And you can find Esther at Esther Deutsch, so E-S-T-H-E-R-D-E-U-T-S-C-H.com, and we're going to put that up on the screen. But first and foremost, Esther and I met at the Channel Futures Leadership Summit in Miami recently, and we were both on stage together. So that was awesome. And by the way, I don't know if you realize this because I'm using my virtual background today. But now and then you'll see my dog Bella pop in and out of my background. She's sitting on, see, she's sitting on the, <laughs> you'll see it like over here, like behind my mic. See, there she is. Look, hi, Bella. Say hi, say hi to Bella. Adorable. She's going to come in and out. <laughs> so cute. I thought I'd sit in the garden today with you. This is my little background for the garden. Esther, tell me what's going on. And uh, yeah, let's just shoot the breeze for a while. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm really excited to be here and love your uh, content, hearing you at the conference uh, and excited to, I'm sure I'll learn more too, but I'm here in sunny Florida. It's really beautiful. It's been warmer than normal. So we're at 85 degrees of beach is, uh, is where I'm at. So that's cool. I <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. So no complaints, no complaints at all. Not a bad place to be. How did you like Miami? What were you, some of your takeaways from, so I'll just give everyone a summary of, of what it was. 
it's, it's all about leadership. There's a lot of networking going on. We won't get into the particulars of the actual um, uh, conference uh, agenda, but the the soft, the the kind of the innuendos around it was all about leadership. And we were part of this sort of female leadership uh, summit within the summit. What did you get out of that piece for you, even though you were a panelist? Yeah, I loved, I actually got to interact with some of the people who are listening before and after and now that's usually what's in it for me is the exchange of people and just being in a room full of people like yourself. It's really inspiring. And I even sometimes forget how inspiring it is until I'm back there. And I'm like, oh, it feels like coming home. And it's an amazing thing because we really, you know, none of us knew each other before, but there's this common energy and um, desire to be with others. And just that when you, when you do come together, you sort of just like feel it and it kind of happens on its own. So, uh, but I also learned a lot about like women empowerment and, people sort of not being afraid to speak up and own who they are. And I also learned some of that from what you shared. You know, I love women who kind of do it all and don't come from maybe what others might consider a traditional background. So I always feel like kind of like validated too, because I'm, I don't consider myself traditional. <laughs> and I love that, you know, I'm not the only one. I always feel like, okay, like I'm doing okay. Like, this is all right. Like we're going to get there. And that we're really, we really have each other to lean on. Cause I think it's easy, especially now I work from home. I didn't always. And naturally I'm more of an office type person and just like remembering that you know we're really all kind of we have each other's backs at the end of the day and we're not alone so it's just like it's inspiring and also meaningful in that way to get that you know from it so wow a lot like I'm just with you like like thinking all of those wonderful things too and and thank you for for sharing about uh my keynote um Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like to bring all of me to the table, and especially in those moments. It's funny because sometimes I, well, actually often I compartmentalize myself. You know, one day I'm a podcaster <laughs> like today uh, or a content creator, uh, inspiring, uh, a blogger. Then next day I'm like the SVP of a technology company <laughs> or, you know, I'm a consultant and then I go off and I, play songs on my piano which we'll talk about a little later right um and there's more we're you know I'm a mother and all that I think that's uh something that I kind of wanted to talk about with you today well actually the main topic that I really want to talk to you about today is building community but I do before we get there because I know that our audience will want to learn a little bit about you and your background um what what is it about you that what's your complexity what what's what's everything about you like if you were to I mean I know I read your bio and I asked her like give me two sentences I mean how do we squash everything into two sentences it's too hard um but (laughs) tell tell, you know take some time like I'd love to learn like maybe a bit about your background personal stuff and what drives you what's your passion we're all about being passion leaders here at the creative and so I'm really intrigued and interested to learn more about you as I'm sure everyone else does Sure. And I think um, also based on what you just shared, I, I'm a very like forward thinking person. I don't like to harbor or talk about things. I'm very much like an action and how could we do things better for the future. But you speaking and what you just shared rem- makes me remember that it's sometimes important to go back because it could help somebody else. And I think, you know, you did a really good job of when sharing sometimes other parts of you reminds people that not, nobody starts at the top and your journey before you get there, because I think the success is what everybody sees, but there's so much work, at least for me, and I'm sure for many others, it happens in all the years and time before that are sort of under the ground. And then this just tree just erupts, but everybody sees the end, but nobody sees the work and effort and grind that came before and the experiences. So 
that's part of what I share too, because I think, and I, I also, I always look for mentors and relate more to people who I see as someone that I could aspire to be. I almost like shut down when I hear like somebody who's like a fortune 500 or whatever, like talk, because to me, it's like, I need to know how I could get there realistically. You know, it's easy to, to once you're there and everyone knows your name and whatever you put out gets hit. Note to self, don't bring up the fortune 500. <laughs> but, it, but that's why it's important for, you know, leaders who are in these big positions to sometimes go backwards and share how they got there and that they too were once wanting to be there because other people, you know, are inspired by that. And it's easy to feel overwhelmed and do nothing as a result. And that's also a problem. So uh, just to say that going in, but for me, I think that there's so many things too, that I always look back every day. I'm learning new things about myself and why and what and how, and it gets kind of clear to me about where I'm going. Cause I also try to just take one foot one day at a time. And then slowly little things, you know, add up to big things and help me know where I'm going, but and it's still evolving. I'm always evolving, but I realized that a lot of the community work that I do, for example, and community building, I thought it was something that I took on later in life, but I've really been quote unquote community building and being involved in the community from before I could talk probably, or at least at that time. So giving back was part of my education. It was part of my upbringing. And so it was almost in me before I knew it. So I, I attribute a lot of like what I have and the values that are tied to that from my childhood as much as a lot of my childhood, and that's what I'll touch on next, wasn't all bed and roses, but that area of it was was definitely an asset. Um, my thing is and was always that, you know, no matter what I go through, it's how do I use it and what do I do to make it positive, I guess you would say. It's not always a conscious decision, but it's something that I just feel as what is the point of having, I don't say suffered, but gone through things if I can't use it for something good. And that's how I feel about everything I have. Like, I want to be wealthy and I don't, I'm not afraid to say it because I want to have more to give. So I think that I personally always felt like, uh, like negative energy at some point towards money and wealth. And I think it was just my associations with it, but over time and very quickly, I was like, you know, like, I really want to be successful. I want money because it gives me opportunities. And I think as long as I'm using what I have for the betterment of people and giving it out, then it's okay. And not only that, it's something that I actually want because it gives me the ability to do more. So I'm always seeking, that's part of my desire to be more and do more is because then I could hit more people. So if I could make a bigger impact, I'm there, you know, sign me up. So I think that's part of my yes mentality. Oh, it's amazing. You have a, you have a great yes mentality. Uh, can I just drill in there for a minute? Because sure. A lot, and yeah, we haven't even touched on your real childhood. Um, but you would, you, you just said about your association with money, um, and you know that you, that you not only have been working on it, but also that you wanted to sh- help others and do that. What was that turning point for you? Tell us a, a time in in your upbringing where you you kind of consciously realized that this association with money, and you wanted to turn the corner. I think it was after, like, I don't know if there's like one point or if it was after, I always knew I wanted to be in corporate. I don't know if I quite identified it was because I wanted to be successful with money, although I enjoy it too. So I think I always attributed it to enjoyment more than, and fulfillment more than uh, money, which is ironic because a lot of people I think that I've been meeting start in uh, corporate and then go to nonprofit. I came from nonprofit and I was like, no, like we need more of that nonprofit mentality in corporate because we should be doing both like serving a need and making money. Like you can do oh. both. They're not mutually exclusive. That's one of my strong beliefs. So I don't know. I still, I still, I still am figuring that out. I'm not sure I know yet <laughs> what that turning point was. Um, but I do think it's, it's, I, I, I definitely don't come from it. And I've always appreciated like self-made people too, and people who choose something rather than be given it. And I always 
pride myself in doing that. You know, I never want to be in a situation because it's circumstantial because life is short and we don't know when we're you know, not gonna be able to choose anymore. I think that's our biggest, one of our biggest gifts, but I also see a lot of friends and I always have, even as a young child, like who spoke negatively about money. And I think something about that, I don't know why it just always hit me. And I started to like dig into it. And I thought, you know, they never had money. And so maybe I always felt like you couldn't say that until you had it. And then you could say that. And then I'd be like, Oh, let me see what's here. But I always felt like there was this um, connotation actually, you know, might be in social work school because I went to school for social work. And I think okay. I never thought about this till this moment, but perhaps some of the messaging there was around that because the social work, it was in New York city too, which has its own, you know, belief system and culture. And I think that a lot of that was serving the underdog. And that was the piece of uh, social work that I always related to. And one of the reasons I went into the field Um and I think that that might have been where I started to think, you know, like we could love and care for the underdog, but we don't have to be just like them to empathize and help and do more and be better. So maybe that's where it sort of came from. So um, working in, in or studying for social work and doing that is you're seeing kind of the different, uh, you be able to see the contrast of like where you could be because you're serving these um, perhaps underprivileged or, or yeah. areas that have need. And then you're looking at yourself going, well, I'm here to help, but now I need to take care of myself because I need to grow and not be in those situations. Is, was it like a contrast for you to learn that you needed to grow? Exactly. And just be able to help. If I'm not, like you said, exactly what you said, taking care of myself and how am I going to lift up others? And yeah. I think that's also my view on changing the world. Like I'm a big believer in change the world, but you know, people, they go, oh, but I'd rather work myself. I'm like, that's exactly what I mean. Like me being the best version of me. That's a realization I came to at a young age too. It's like right. the way I'm going to help the world is I'm going to go to the gym every day. Like things as little as that. And there were many times in my life, even now at my age, where I had to step back from things that were more public serving because I was neglecting myself. Mm -hmm. And I knew that. And that's also something that I'll probably always struggle with because I do tend to get into the public, even though I detest it. People don't really know this. I'm very much an introvert and it's hard for me. <laughs> Uh, but it seems to follow me. So I eventually decided that I'm not going to fight it. But at the same time, I'm also not going to sacrifice my sense of self. So that was also something that I learned. And I had to by necessity because I, 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 another promise I made to myself was I was never going to sacrifice me. I can't say I never do it, but I'm definitely trying not to. And at least consciously, I won't. So that's when I know I have to say no. That's where my no is, you know. Yeah, interesting. Right. Yeah. So you've lived in New York. Where did you grow up? What areas? I'm from Pennsylvania originally, okay. uh, which is mind blowing to me too, how much of our lives are dictated based on how we grew up before we even have a say in that stuff. So I grew up in a very small town and that is what I didn't mention earlier uh, in relation to what I decided with my mission in life. But I was bullied for many, many years. And I don't like to say worse than other bullies because I think every you know challenge is valid and I don't want to put mine. Uh, I will say that my situation felt unique because it was very much a community bullying where the parents were the teachers and the grandparents were the teachers and the principal was the parents so it was kind of a, a generational like really an unusual situation mm. um, and so when I was 12 I guess maybe I was was I 12 something around that time I decided that if and when I ever got out of it because at that time I didn't believe that there was anything else I thought that that was the world and this was what I was gonna have to do like live with. <laughs> it was just reality. That was my reality for many years. Mm -hmm. And I decided that if and when something different came my way, my uh, position would be to always 
lift others and help and try to ensure that other people would never be in that situation or feel the way that I felt. So I didn't quite know then yet or how, but I knew that it was something that I wanted to do if I had the opportunity. Fantastic. So, See, this is the kind of stuff I love to hear. You know? <laughs> we have, you know, in our lives, we we all have these woundings. Um, and at some point, though, the when we can learn from that and grow from that, we actually can make a huge difference. So, so cut to cut forward a little more, like now that you've decided that you want to help others, what were some of the early things that you did when you were able to, to start helping other people? You have all the good questions. So I think something that I realized too, and ironically, I got my social work degree, but I never wanted to work in it. And people don't really know this either. It was never my intention. I actually always felt like I wanted to be like the hidden social worker. So I decided that people relate and connect very much to the person that isn't necessarily behind a desk. And that's another reason I didn't pursue a teaching career, for example. I always thought I was going to be a professor. And then I was like, as soon as I put that title on me or go behind a desk, you know, people perceive you differently. And I wanted to kind of be in the background. I still like that. And, you know, and be able to talk to people at their level in the same the same way. So, uh, so I very much uh, gravitated towards that sort of uh, path. I lost my train of thought, so I wanted you to be able to edit it there. <laughs> what was the question? There's no editing here. This is all. Oh, okay. Well, then you can't there edit it. Some so. editing, but <laughs> I guess the question is, you know, once you were able to start helping others, what are some of the things you started to do? Right. Yeah. Thank you. I went back and then I was like, I need to go forward. So one thing that I did uh, very early on is I always, I decided that, you know, I might not be a CEO or COO, but I was going to view myself as a leader. And it's something that I always advise people. And I find it amazing that people sort of wait for them to be told that they are a leader in whatever way that is. Mm-hmm. And even in school, rather than just, there's so many opportunities to take on leadership. And that's something that I also did from a young age. And I, I don't, I, I'm a Leo uh, in my star sign. I don't identify as it, but I think that that's the part of me that is the Leo as much as I try to deny it. I always felt that if I'm in a position, I see an issue or a problem, it's my job to impact it, like to do something about it, even if that's tell someone. I don't understand like idleness or I just think we have responsibilities and initiative and we need to take it. So I think that that was something that I did early on that sort of got me to where I am. But, you know, I did it before I was in a position where I had to do it or needed to do it. You know, I don't like waiting for like someone to tell you, I think, you know, and that's how I lead now is like, if you're going to bring a problem to the table, bring me a solution or don't bring the problem. Like that's how I roll. And that's what I expect. Like, <laughs> so if you have a, or at least, you know, say I don't have a solution, but I hoping that sharing it will help us get there. So mm-hmm. I would say that just taking on leadership and then really building connection. And that's again, where the community aspect came in. I didn't really realize that I was building community. I was kind of just looking around and noticing and paying attention to people and trying to add something to their life that wasn't there before, even if that's as simple as a smile. Cause again, I don't think it has to be something quote unquote big or expensive. And that's also something that I think is like a misconception, but just noticing and then taking things on. I started a whole bunch of nonprofit organizations when I was younger and they literally just came from me calling a friend and being like, here's an issue. I haven't found a solution. I did my research let's do something about it. And that one person said, sure. And then they brought in two more people and they brought in two more people. And then just the power of that mission and uh, need sort of took a life of its own. That's literally how I started organizations. That's it. That's awesome. Uh, well, maybe pick an organization. I know I know that uh, I mentioned earlier in this togetherroundtable.com is one of your communities. 
whether you want to talk about that or another earlier one, I'd love to understand uh, how you feel community helps uh, uh, people and what are some of the things that have, have happened, maybe some cool examples. Yeah, I'm really lucky that these days I get, you know, letters and just today this morning, I, I screenshot every single one because that's what I am do this for. I live for those little messages. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't appreciate them the same way I did starting out because now I get them daily. But it's like somebody will reach out that I haven't spoken to in like six months and say like, hey, uh, I know we haven't talked in so long, but you made me an introduction three months ago and I just got a job from that. And it happens to me daily. Like it's unbelievable mm -hmm. the ripple effect of community building. So I started from the end, but that's, that, that makes me so happy and so passionate. So it just gives me fuel to keep going. So I had to share that. Um, but as far as uh, the communities, so yeah, in this together round table came about, it was really the same idea. Every big community starts with just an idea and a person who takes action. And that's the goal. Like, that's it. That's all that it is. All it is. It's just like hmm. a little action. So my friend Lou called me uh, and we weren't, you know, we were friendly then, but like, I wouldn't say we kind of talked day by day or really knew each other, uh, but we had met through networking and he knew that I had a big network. And so he called me and he said, Hey, uh, right in the beginning of COVID, I want to start, do a call just to get people together and see how we can help each other. Cause there's a lot of uncertainty. And that was the key. He just wanted to help. We had no idea what or when or anything. Uh, and he called me and he said, Hey, would you help me out with this? I said, Luke, I have a full-time job. I really like you, but not enough. No, I'm kidding. But I was like, I don't know if we can do this, but I can absolutely see. And here's where I offered one thing to help. I said, I can send out an email to all my contacts telling them about it. And if you take the lead on the logistics and the running and whatever, I will do that. I can bring people. That's what oh, I can. And so that day he said, I don't remember what day of the week it was. It wasn't a Tuesday. Like it is now Monday, Wednesday, probably he's like, everybody, we're going to have a call. We each sent out one email blast. It wasn't a Zoom, it was a phone call. Over like 200 people showed up. The phone was but didn't handle the capacity. And <laughs> I thought it was horrific. I thought it was the worst call I've ever been on. Everyone was talking over each other. Luke was, and everybody was worried and nervous. So put all that on together. The tech wasn't there. We just didn't expect that kind of response. After an hour, Luke said, sorry guys, Esther and I have jobs. We're so happy you're here, but we have to go. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna send out another uh, conference call link next week, same time, same place. And whoever, if, if, if no one shows up, well, we won't be here. We'll leave if there's anyone else. And then slowly from there, it became a regular call. And uh, since then, we've impacted so many people and it's become a community. And I actually take pride in saying we never ever charge and we never ever raise money. And we have a website, we have a community because people give to things that they're passionate about and they really want to give humans are wired that way, I believe. And you just have to create the stage for them to do so. I feel that way in sales. I feel that way in networking. And it's really true. I've seen it time and time again. So people have given and more than anything, I've made some of the best friendships, Luke being one of them that I've ever, you know, ever had. And it, until recently, these were people I never even met in person. So that's, that's another amazing. thing. Do you yeah. have like themes for each call? Like do people show up knowing that they're going to talk about something? No. It's almost like improv networking. And I think that's one of the <laughs> things that make us different and the fact that we don't track revenue and some calls I believe are probably not as good as other calls or not as at least like don't reap the same monetary results but I think that's one of the things that make it unique and why I enjoy it and people love it is because you don't have to be a certain thing or you know represent a certain thing people who have jobs people who want to give back and are retired it's just everything and everyone so it's nice to attract and especially keep those type of people who really want to 
build transformational relationships and not transactional. So mm. yeah. yeah. Transformational relationships and not transactional. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> that's amazing. We're gonna call that one out. You know, <laughs> that's a really big thing I wanna go there. So I, you know, when we talk about community these days, it just seems like it becomes transactional. It's like it's a networking thing. And then and then I've I've never been that comfortable with the word networking. In fact, back in the day when I when I was starting up my uh, my bootstrap startups in the music industry, both Songs Alive, the nonprofit organization, and another music organization I had in a record label and I brought artists together and stuff. I used to talk about how you get had to get out there and you have to meet people. But I used to also say, and I still to this day will say, I don't like the word networking. Not that I don't mind networking. Networking is important. The actual art of networking, if you do it right, is good. But the word, the term, how it's coined, you know, back in the 90s, sorry, I'm kind of showing my age, but back in the 90s, was like networking was the big thing. And I, when I first moved to Los Angeles, it was all about like, have your business cards, have your thing and go out to yeah. events, make sure, you know, because that's how you're going to get, you know, notice that's how you're going to get out there and I just really was against that I'm not an introvert I do like to get out there but I just felt like the word conjured up uh okay here's my card what can you do for me like okay now you know what I am what can you do for me rather than uh and I love what you just said about the transformational relationships rather than about an exchange or even better what can you do for them? Like showing up to you today, Esther, I want to hear all about your story and, you know, all of that, like that kind of thing. It's not so much a me thing. I mean, I am getting something out of this. I'm going to get a great podcast and everyone's going to get fabulous, you know, information from you. But I'm just using it as an example. Like I don't, I don't yeah. like the And so how do you, what's your take on the whole current landscape of people saying you've got to go onto LinkedIn, you've got to go to these events, you've got to get out there, whether it's for your career or for your ideas or, you know, network building, like what's your take on all of that? And I don't want to skew you because you might all like that. I just wanted to understand where you're at because you've built your own service. You make a really good point. I, I've been lucky to, when people remind me, I say remind me now, you'll see why of this other networking world. I've, after so many years of really like refining the communities I spend time in and, and building out my network, I only am surrounded with by givers. I really, really am. And that's not to say every so often, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm, I love meeting everybody from all kinds of worlds. So I definitely encounter non-givers sometimes, but I think the givers in my network are so strong that I'm mostly surrounded by that. And uh, I've been lucky that way. So I don't even know the other world. So now I have to go back into it sometimes just so I can remember that it still exists. But when people reach out to me and they sometimes very dejected, or they'll tell me that they've been on just back-to-back -back calls with people and all they feel like is taking, I'm like, you're just talking to the wrong people. Right. And maybe, maybe I can, you know, help with people that are in that world to say that there is another world, <laughs> join us on the dark side that you and I are part of and many, many others. And I'm always happy to bring people into that world as long as they're in it for the right reasons. Uh, it's almost like a little Harry Potter ask, but the reality is there is always those communities of people who do authentically want to give. And I think you make a very good point. I also am allergic. Like, I don't believe in sales. Like you don't believe in networking. I'm totally with you there. And I also don't believe in sales. Like to me, sales, you're literally just offering somebody something that they need and you're helping them get it for a price. And everybody believes in paying for value. There's nothing to talk about. So in my opinion, if somebody doesn't buy it, it's because they don't see the value 
then you're not helping them or you're, you're just selling the wrong product, but it's not the sale. That's the problem in my opinion. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think it's similar with networking where we don't need to shy away from when somebody calls me, I want to know what they need. I want to know what they're selling, right? Like I do, because if I can help them, I'm happy to, I mean, what's the point in our conversation otherwise. So I think there's a balance between, you know, asking for help and wanting something out of return. Like, like you just said, you're, you're not only allowed to get something out of it, you should get something out of it. Like we're giving time, you're giving me your time, you should get something. Yeah. But I think it's just about how and why, right? Like, as your, are your intentions right? Do you also want to lift me up at the same time and vice versa? And then, and then how do you go about it? You know, is it shady or is it transparent and straight up? And I always tell this story, but it happened recently and really opened my eyes. I had somebody in my network I hadn't spoken to in a while and he reached out to me and said he wanted his employee to meet me because he's trying to get in front of business owners or something like that just like that to sell his product I can't tell you I even have chills as I say it because I was just like blown away by him being so and I was like absolutely like let's set up a call and if I know anybody and I ended up making him a referral which is the nice end to the story and like I was happy to I loved and I told him the fact that he was just so straightforward meant so much to me and sadly right. really like hit me because even I sometimes shy away from that, you know, like directedness, but I've also learned it's a, it's a way of respecting somebody and respecting their time by, I would have been annoyed if he had set up a call with me and then told me on the call or at the end, oh, by the way, I want to meet people. Even if he heard about me first, right? But he said it before and set that stage. And I could have said no. And then hopefully he would have had no hard feelings and we would have moved on, but you know what? We both wouldn't have wasted our time. Yeah. And I knew where I stood. He knew where he stood. So I don't know if that answers your question, but I definitely think yeah, it does. Yeah. Finding the community, your people. And I also believe that if you are strong enough in your own brand and everybody has one, whether they know it or not, and it's still building one, the right people will come to you. And I've also been lucky in that sense. I always believe that like when in doubt, just be more you and just do more you. Uh, whether <laughs> yeah. Cause then those people will find you and the other ones will fall out on their own. Like that's how I see it. You know, if you're yeah, so I think that also the, the if your brand is really clear and you know exactly what you, who you are, even though you're still building is what you said, sorry, I interrupted, but I, no. I thought that was really good, then you're going to attract the right people in your circle uh, that are right for you. If you're murky and confused and you're not putting out the right messaging and you're not being authentic, I wanted to say that earlier about yeah. your your uh conversation with this guy like it sounded like it was authentic meaning like he was showing up as his true self and you were showing up as your true self and now you're able to have conversation whereas if you're not authentic and you're murky or you're not or you're hiding your who you are then th there's no relationship there's no relationship yeah. <laughs> this, this could be a dating a dating podcast exactly. <laughs> but it really yeah. is it's like how do you match people together um okay so I'd love to hear a day in the life of Esther what what do you what because you're not just your free online you know community <laughs> like what else do you do tell tell us what your day-to-day -day is yeah well one of the things I love about what I do is that it isn't just you know one faceted if we haven't said that yet you know I think we have that in common is I love the diversity and that I can meet all kinds of people and do different types of things I do a lot of I would say grunt work but I actually love organizing and admin and operations so I do a lot of work there and it's a combination uh between well I'll go to work life and personal life but I'm an well okay let's do personal life first I'm an avid yeah. gym goer yeah <laughs> you go to the gym what do you like to do at the I gym? do I'm I'm a big trainer person you know I, I believe that my my trainers have always been I've had trainers since 2018 I would say and I've always felt that 
it's instead of therapy, I always say, cause I get that for free cause I'm a social worker. No, I'm joking, but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I always, you know, it's just an outlet for me. And again, because I'm always around people, all I want to do when I unwind is be in solitude. So I read, I walk, I write, I'm a big writer and one day I'm going to publish something, but most of what I write is extremely personal. I think like songs, people who do music, you would know, but uh, for me it's writing and even stand up. I think I'm going to do stand up one of these days. Yeah. And I just think laughter, I love art. I love words and art. And I think that laughter is such a good, such a beautiful thing to give people. So again, it's all about my why and it's just different ways of doing it. I um, love that. And you know, improv really helps you with everything in life. I've done quite a bit of improv. Really? Life. Yeah. It, um, it really helps me to be a good speaker. Um, oh yeah. It helps me to build community. It helps me to build consensus and communication in large, large meetings. Like it helps you to know how to pivot. Uh, mm. So you, know, you think well, you're going down a rabbit hole in one way, but then it's okay to change because in improv things change once the other person, it's all about relationship because the other person yeah. and you have to kind of go along with it with a yes. And, 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 and then keep exploring it. So you have, it le- it helps you with active listening. I could go on, mm. but yeah. So you- probably getting buy-in too, right? Like getting buy-in from the audience. There's nothing I love more than like, I don't want to say manipulating. It's a horrible word, but getting, <laughs> working a room, working a crowd. You know? Yeah, so. for sure. So, and <laughs> the, and so what else, uh, what professionally are you doing? So a combination of culture building. I do a lot of work with culture and keeping the culture alive in our organization. And I think I got, again, back to what I said before, but a lot of this, I was like, hey, we don't have a newsletter. Let's have a company newsletter. But I didn't say, let's have one. I was like, let me make a company newsletter. Has anyone ever thought of that? And they were like, oh, that's a great idea. And I was like, well, here it is. And it's now 10 years later. And we've had a company newsletter every week with probably perhaps one exception, but I don't even know when I was on vacation. So yeah, so we have, and now I've passed that baton on. We have somebody else doing the newsletter. Yay. But it's still yeah. something that became part of the organization. Yeah. And then it, also, it builds the community and culture of the organization. Exactly. And that's another era of community. I think everyone's focused on networking just because it came up. I'll mention it, but your employees are like your first set of community. Like yeah. that is your first, you know, and people are like into the benefits and things, but they don't always talk about it as a community and like celebrating birthdays and anniversaries and and we've done it on limited budget. So money isn't a factor, let me tell you. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah. and then my community, right? That's another, and that was my first role here actually was building the internal community with our clients. And some of my strongest relationships are also from those days back, back. It's been like eight years and I speak to these clients regularly, but uh, so. By the way, just a quick segue, yeah. like you cannot buy community. Like, Yes, people sell community platforms, myself included, with the creative income on it and part of it's free, part of it you step up. But it's not the community they're buying. They're buying services and opportunities. The thing is, is that community itself, you cannot put a a, a money a, a budget on. It's it it's it's outside of everything, whether it's in the workplace, mm. or it, you either have a, a good culture. We have a toxic culture or somewhere in between. We're not quite sure the gray. Um, and community can help build a positive culture. But building that positive culture, you just kind of said it yourself. You you know, there was a newsletter. Like you didn't, I, I, I'm going to guess, you didn't get like extra like promotion points just right. you did a newsletter, right? right. Like uh, an increase in your salary, so to speak. Like this is just stuff that just has to happen organically and people make this happen. And even outside of the workplace. Yeah. You know, building community is about, to your point with your own network, it's 
building, bringing people together is a skill that you, you either have it or you don't. And it's it's hard to put a price tag on it. One one session you're probably having the 200 people that are there and others could be whatever size. Speaking about all different topics, how do you put a price tag on what you really can, the value of what you can really get out of community? I think it's it's amazing, you know. What do you exactly exactly what you're saying too is at the end of the day whether it's a big group of people or one-to-one the bottom line is how can you connect it's connection and you asked in the beginning like what is it for you it's impact and connection to myself to others and that's a thousand people or one person and i think that's what the successful companies do well apple whatever they know how to take that large scale thing and connect it on the individual level whether we realize it or not consciously or subconsciously in different ways but what they're doing is they're making that one-to-one connection somehow some way even digitally that makes a difference so Amazing. Um, so one of the things that, you know, I like to do uh, it, during my podcast and those who listen along is we, we tend to listen to some music uh, because, you know, we're talking deep and we want to have a break and then we'll come back after. But um, I threw on Esther, she didn't know that I was a musician. And I said, go pick a song from the Jilly Moon Vault. And I wanted to know which song did you choose and why? Well, first of all, you're fantastic. I was like, oh, I'm going to download all this music. So thank you for that. Uh, it was, of course, it was fire. <laughs> fire. I am fire. And I realized I am both a Leo and a Sag, actually. And those are both fire signs. And somebody very wise taught me never do anything with half your heart. And that's something that stayed with me forever and also helped me say no. Because I was like, if I can't do this 100%, I don't want to do it at all. And so, yeah, that was just the, the words. And I was actually kind of curious if I understood your meaning correctly and in, 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 in what you were thought when you wrote it, because I wasn't hundred percent sure. And I kind of liked that there, there was like this open interpretation mm-hmm. feeling, but for me, you know, fire, I love anything fire, like spice, fire, people, food, all of it. So it was immediately <laughs> just resonating like passion. Cause I think we need more people doing things they're passionate about and like leaning into who they are and what sets them on fire. So that was, well, that was the one for that's me. awesome. Well, let's go and listen to fire now. And then I'll tell, I'll talk a little bit about it when we come back. Amazing. Here is fire. Fire, fire. I can feel the heat from your When you look at me, I ignite, ignite I just want to strip bare to the rebel inside, inside I'm burning up like a Anything to prove you and me and us. 
Yeah, fire, fire. Too hot to touch. I wrote that song during the pandemic. It wasn't about the pandemic. It was more about my inner passion over my career. I I do speak in metaphors. I write in metaphors when I write songs. I've got another song called Tiny Diamonds. I'm like, sky filled with tiny diamonds, but it's, it's all about relationships. So anyway, so fire is really about the, the built up desires that I have inside of, of achievement, of doing the things that I love and that I'm just like got so much to give. I've got so much passion there to give. That's the personal stuff. It can be interpreted as a relationship uh, song. Um, and I think also uh, it's part of my album called Beautiful Mess, um, which was a combination of two volumes of a ton of songs. I kind of released all this music all at once. And because I'd been so busy uh, actually working uh, as a leader in technology, there were years that went by, I think it was 10, that I had not released an album uh, and I had kids in the middle of that. And so Beautiful Mess, the album, was this culmination of me turning, pivoting and turning into this professional, me becoming a mother and all of that that had part of it, and me with this ambitions of my teenagers and my 20s now kind of like where am I today? And so Fire really uh, was a quintessential song for me to just say, this is Jilly Moon. This is who I am. So what, what's the fire in you next, Esther? That's a great question. I think I've also been blessed to always have opportunities just figuring out, you know, what's right. Uh, but I think the direction I'm, I'm, I'm heading in is to continue sort of down this path. And sometimes, you know, you, it's easy to doubt yourself, but the further you go and the more people that you impact, it sort of lets you know that you're, you're on the right path. And uh, I think I'm going to keep feeding my soul. You know, I'm not sure exactly what that is, but just leaning in more to who I am. And like you said, I think just reminding myself that we're all on our own journey. And that's why I think that's for me when it's easier to be like, who really cares about other people? Not that I don't care about them and what they think. It's just uh, my journey is so individual. And I always, you know, just tie back to the gym, but that's the same thing in health. I always, these diets and stuff kind of blow my mind because everybody is so individual and every person, and it should be that way. And so if we all leaned into who we are and then connected with each other at that level, we would be like such a powerful force of individuals. So again, back to community, but that the empowered individuals coming together collectively, mm. like my goal for myself in this world. So that I want is to such that. a huge goal. Gosh, such <laughs> a huge goal. Uh, and I so admire you for doing that. There's, there's not many people that I come across who uh, so actively contributing t- uh, to helping others as their purpose. And I so it's, my, it's my mission. So I can't fight it. It just is, you know, it just is. So. Really wonderful. <laughs> really wonderful. Um, well, just to, to wrap up, um, what would you uh, like to share with our audience about uh, what they think they can take away from you today, uh, whether it's what we've talked about in building community or leadership or whatever else you'd like to share, this is your time. Well, one of my favorite quotes, maybe it's something good to leave people with, is leadership is a stance in the world. It's not a job title. Mm-hmm. So I think don't be afraid to take on leadership and take on leadership. And really all that means is step up like everybody has ability and these are little things, not in those big ways. Whatever you're thinking of is like, oh, I need to be in that title or that role. 
throw it all out and just start from like, how can I make a difference and connect with another human? And that's leadership, like that's leadership. So even if you're a student in school, for example, like reach out to a new student, it's hard to be alone or new in a place. And for that one person, you're a leader and you never know what impact you can make. And I have many more stories, which I don't know if we have time for about that and my work with students in schools back when I was in my social work days and some of the impacts that I, I'm sure some of it I never learned about, but some that I learned about with certain teachers and students years later, and I didn't even know. So I remind myself of this constantly and hopefully others listening will too, that you just never know. Somebody is always looking at you. Someone's always watching. And so if you could do something meaningful, somebody's going to see it and it's going to matter whether you know about it or not. So Amazing. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about your, uh, what was going on with the community that you have and, and, and repeat the website for everyone so that people sure. can go and get out if you want them to. So virtually every week I have one called in this together roundtable.com. So you can visit that website. And then is, I'm based in South Florida right now, near Miami. So we have an in-person quarterly networking group out here. And mm -hmm. I agree with you. We should scratch that word networking. It's relationship building and transformation and all kinds of great things and partnership development. So that one takes place once a quarter. And that's on my website under events. And it's called Sunset Social. So you can find that on my personal website. And in this together, roundtable.com is for anyone and everybody who believes in the power of building relationships and wants to meet new great professionals like-minded in their uh, altruism. So that one is at in this together roundtable.com. So we'd love to meet everybody through one, one or both of those groups. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being a guest speaker with us today. I've thoroughly enjoyed it and it was really great to get to know you in person in Miami. And it's really great to see yeah. you here on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Yeah, we'll be in touch. Good to see you. Bye. Come and join us at thecreative.com, C-R-E-A-8-V-E.com or find us on social. Or find me, Jilly Moon. See you soon.